0: welcome to the overflow podcast we pray you are encouraged by this message for more info notes or other messages visit our website at overflowdfw.com hey we're continuing our campaign through the book of mark called the good good news come on how many of y'all have been engaged in the book of mark with us right 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 And, and just in case you didn't get uh, one of our uh, Mark journals, if you want one of those, we have some of those in the back. If you're online and you need one, um, you let us know. Send us a comment, we'll send you one. Uh, make sure you get that. We're past the halfway point. We're moving in today into Mark chapter 10. And uh, I, I want to talk today about the last becomes first. That's our headline today. The last becomes first. Can you say, let me say the last becomes first. The last becomes first. And Mark chapter chapter 10 is, is kind of a, a transition uh, chapter throughout the, the book of Mark. We're going to get into Passion Week real soon here. We're kind of moving into like, to, to, the, to the end. It's not really the end. It's actually the beginning for us. We're going to be moving into Passion Week. But, um, Mark chapter 10 covers a lot of ground. Jesus talks about gender. Jesus talks about marriage. He talks about divorce. He talks about children coming into the kingdom. He predicts his death once again. Here, I think the third chapter in a row that Jesus is predicting his death. The disciples are trying to get out of it, right? How many of y'all are always trying to get out of death and resurrection? Come on. We want resurrection, but we don't want the death part. And so Jesus is continually reminding the disciples, listen, I didn't just come. To, to have great teaching. I didn't come just to, you know, perform miracles. I actually came to die. That's my destiny. And guess what? Your destiny also is to die. And so Jesus is emphasizing this point over and over again to the disciples because they refuse to get it, right? How many of you, that, that's kind of you some days, right? Like you, you forget, oh yeah, I'm supposed to die today. And so Jesus has to continually, even the disciples that were with him, come on, all the time had to be reminded that, hey, this life isn't about you. It's about you coming and and, and dying. And so I want to share today from, from two characters uh, that we're familiar with here, Overflow especially, because if you've sat under my teaching for any amount of time or preaching, whatever you want to call it, you've probably heard me talk about both these guys. I don't think I've ever talked about them in the same sense, but they're both in the John chapter 10, and one is this guy we call the rich young ruler, and another guy at the end, which we talked about just a few months ago, his name's Bartimaeus. And so we're going to talk about both these guys, because what we're going to see is we're going to see one guy bringing rejection, and another guy accepting what the Lord has to offer. So Mark chapter 10, and again, these are familiar stories, but, but they're always good to revisit especially when we're talking about the last becoming first. So it says this in Mark chapter 10 verse 17 and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher what must I do to inherit, everybody say inherit inherit eternal life and Jesus said to to him, why do you call me good no one is good except God alone and I think that if they had emojis when they wrote the Bible, there would be a little winky face right there, right? Jesus is going, No one is good except for God alone. Why are you calling me good? Like, yeah, I think you're on to something here. Only God alone is good. And obviously, Jesus is God as he's repeated himself throughout the book of Mark. And then he says this you know the commands do not murder, do not commit adultery. Do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. I'm doing pretty good. What do you need to inherit eternal life? You got to keep the law. And how many of us have done that? <laughs> None of us. And this guy thinks he has. That's where he made a mistake. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him. So he's like, what's the credentials? Jesus said, the credential is righteousness. The credential is righteousness. And this guy thought he was righteous. Righteous. And, but I love how even though he's kind of getting it right, he's also getting it really wrong. and I love how Jesus it says this that he looks at him. He looks at him. He sees. come on, how do you know that that Jesus, even in your misunderstanding, even in your weak frail state, he sees. He sees where we're at. He sees our intention. And this is what I love about Jesus being able to see is that everything that Jesus sees is accurate. So Jesus sees him and he knows that in his heart that he hasn't kept the commandments, which was really the standard. And then it says this, that he loves him. So he sees him in his state, in his jacked up, materialistic state. He looks at him, and he loves him. He sees all. Did you know that Jesus sees you completely? The deep, deep, deep recesses of your heart. Those things that you've never shared with anybody that you know are wicked. He sees that, and guess what? He loves you. He loves you. He loves you in spite of it. Listen, he loves with with incomprehensible desire so he doesn't just love you like he has a fond feeling towards you he actually he desires you he wants you more than you can imagine he's like really into you even in the state that you're in so he sees come on and because he sees he knows and he loves but this is what else he does he speaks he speaks. So he has, listen, Jesus has the truth that you need. And we don't always want to hear the truth that we need, right? And sometimes even the truth feels mean. Right? I mean, we, 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 we really don't, we need to hear the truth, but we don't like to hear the truth. And so Jesus speaks, and he has the, the truth that we need. And, and sometimes it comes across as mean, but it's actually his love that drives his truth. And, and what, what is critical is, is how do we respond to what Jesus says determines our future. And so he's asking about eternal things. So Jesus sees him because he sees, he knows, and because he knows, he loves, and then he speaks And what he speaks is truth, and us responding to what he says determines our future. So Jesus has this process that he's going through, and he's saying, listen, I want you to inherit eternal life also, so let me lay it down for you. Let me break it down. One thing you lack. You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. You'll have treasure in heaven to enjoy. And then he says this, and come follow me. And come follow me. Now don't get hung up on the stuff. Because he was hung up on the stuff. We get hung up on the stuff. The problem is he is rich. No, the problem is his richness was getting in the way. The problem wasn't that he had things. The problem is that things had him. And then it says this, that he was disheartened by the saying. He was disheartened by the truth and went away sorrowful, sad, upset, disappointed, wounded, crushed. He went away sad, for he had great possessions. For he had great possessions. And see, what we can learn about this guy is, first of all, is that he had good intentions. I mean, we, the story Shows up and Jesus is on his journey, and this guy comes running up to him, eager. He wants the Lord. He bows down before Jesus. His posture is correct. He has good intentions. He's eager. He's humble. I've heard, I've heard people talk about this story before. They said the man was arrogant. He wasn't arrogant. He bowed before Jesus. He calls him good teacher. But you know what? Sometimes, intenders are pretenders. Sometimes, intenders are pretenders. Sometimes, we have good intentions, but we don't follow through. Guess what? You're the same as a pretender. You're the same as a phony. You're the same as a fraud. It doesn't matter how pure your intentions are if you don't have follow through. And we've got a lot of people that want to talk about what they want to do and what their goals are and what their desire for Jesus is, but at the end of the day they don't follow him. So they have the intention right up at the beginning, but they're just pretenders. They're just pretending. They say it. They may even want it to a degree, but it's but it ends at the intention. Does your devotion to Jesus end at the intention? Or do you have follow-through? It's called faithfulness. Some, something we could learn a little bit about. We, we got to go to this this uh, pastor's conference a couple of weeks ago. Gerald Brooks, uh, the guy that leads this conference, he says, COVID-19 didn't cause unfaithfulness. It revealed it. And I was like, oh, it's so good. And we, we've we watched how people, and I'm not just talking about church attendance. We get that to a degree because of, because of the the medical things and, and all, all the spread and all that kind of thing. But, but what I've seen is I've seen a, a, a departure from following Jesus that may or may not include church. So when are often pretenders, the second thing about this guy, not that he just had a good intentions, he was actually asking the right questions. I mean, he was asking the important stuff. He's like, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life. Notice he didn't say, what do I have to do to earn eternal life? Because this guy's an earner. I mean, he has all this stuff that he's accumulated. So he understood that, that eternal life is something that you inherit. It's something that you receive because somebody dies. And what, what, I'm, what I've discovered in the kingdom, if we're going to inherit eternal life, there's three death and resurrections that need to happen. First is the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, check. The second is the death and resurrection of me, sometimes every day. Come on. And the third is when I literally die, <laughs> and then I'm resurrected. So that's how we inherit eternal life. But, but get this, it is an inheritance, and it's not what you do, it's who you follow. And so Jesus' invitation to this man was follow me but you got to get rid of your stuff to do that because you have a lot of stuff and you can't bring that stuff with me. See, you can't do anything to get to where Jesus is going, but you can follow him there. And that's his invitation. That's what I love about Jesus in the Gospels, whether it's the poorest guy or the richest guy. The invitation is the same for everyone. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? And are you willing to do what that takes? So following him, we follow him right into our inheritance. We want the inheritance without following. But it's just, it's not part, that's not part of the package. It's like, I want a vehicle with no wheels. <laughs> so he had good intentions. He was asking the right questions. He, he understood that to a degree. Third of all, he was doing the right things. I mean, he was, he was a law-abiding citizen. And by a law-abiding citizen, I don't mean that he didn't speed. and I mean that he, like, kept the law. He was a good Jewish boy. He was keeping the commands. He was a good person. But listen, beloved, good deeds don't merit mercy. <laughs> well, if I'm good enough, then I'll get mercy. No. Y'all okay? So he had good intentions. He was asking the right questions. He was doing all the right things. Number four is he lacked one thing, and we would like to say the thing he was lacking was he had too many, too much stuff. No, no, no. The one thing he was lacking was Jesus. That was what he was lacking. He was lacking the Lord. He was lacking following Jesus, and Jesus was inviting him to follow Him. I mean, Jesus saying, "Listen, one thing you lack, just." Just sell it all. Just do what the disciples did. Get rid of your nets. I know that they had nets. They're hardworking. They're like blue-collar guys. I know you're a white-collar guy. You probably got a business, and you probably have a house, and you probably have this Just leave all that stuff, man, and come follow me. You want, to inhere- you want to inherit life? One thing you lack. you got to follow me. I'm going into eternal life. Do you want to go there? And the guy was like, No. I'm just not willing to do that. So he went away sorrowful, uh, sad, and, and that's our next point. But before we get into that, listen. He 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 was wanting. He was wanting to follow the Lord. This is obvious. The, his posture. He was was he not? But he wasn't willing. And I think in the kingdom we got a lot of people that are wanting, but we don't have a lot of people that are willing. Beloved, your will has got to overcome your want. Because some of you are like, I want more of the Lord, but you're not willing to pray more. I want I want to be solid, but you're not willing to get into the word. I want my finances to be blessed, but you're not willing to tithe. You're wanting, but you're not willing. I want to see more people to come come to Jesus, but but I'm 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 too afraid to get outside of my personality and talk to a stranger. I want them to come to I want my kids to serve Jesus, but you don't make them go to church. <laughs> Wanting but not willing. Wanting but not willing. Wanting but not willing. How many things in your life are you wanting but not willing? How bad do you want it? At the end of the day, that's the question. And at the end of the day, he didn't want what he lacked enough. He wanted his stuff more than he wanted Jesus. He wa- and let me just say this. Don't focus on the stuff. He wanted his lifestyle. He wanted his lifestyle more than he wanted the Lord. He liked the idea of having Jesus. I mean, look at these people, these disciples, they're out doing miracles. I've never done a miracle before. I know I have all this stuff, but you can't purchase miracles. I'd like to have that. I would like it. It be really nice. He was wanting, but not willing. Are you willing? Is your will bigger than your want? And then we know this he went away sad. He went away sad because he was wanting, but not willing. Beloved, get this. The the love of God was not the problem. The goodness of Jesus was not the problem. Grace was not the problem. Grace was the invitation. Grace was the invitation. And he goes away sad. He refuses to accept grace. See, surrender is a great idea until it actually costs us something. I just, I surrender all. Right, We sing a song in church, right? You reign above it all, except for my relationships, except for my singleness, except for my personality dysfunctions. (laughs) Trying to say that nice. I'm a four on the Enneagram, so I can't serve Jesus the way he wants me to serve him. So you're just going to have to lay that down. You just got to lay it down, because trust me, there's things that I got to lay down every day that are in my personality. There's things that I have to die to, and if I'm not careful, I'll make excuses. That's not a smash on the enneagram, of even though it's not my favorite. But um, so he goes away sad. Surrender is a great idea until it actually costs us something, beloved. This was not a request from Jesus; it was a requirement. It's what it was. What does it look like to follow Jesus? And we have this thing. So weird. This is what we do with freedom. We go, is that a request? Or is it a requirement? And what we do often in the kingdom is we treat God's requirements like God's request. And we say, well, God, I know you would like me to do that, and I want to, but I'm not willing. So, Lord, I will just kind of stay back here because that doesn't fit me. So then following Jesus is more about him following you than you following him. Why? Because, because you think, you think that, that somehow that he's just requesting your life. He's not requesting your life. He's requiring it. It's just, why? why? It's not mean-spirited. It's just what it is. You got your life that you can do in your pursuit, in your dreams, or you can follow what he's doing. And he's, he's not requesting that you would come and lay down your life. He's requiring it. It's just a requirement. That's what following Jesus looks like. And it's not an issue of the love of God. It's not an issue of the grace of God. Grace is the invitation. Will you say yes to it? Now, now get this. What, what he wants is your willing yes, even though it's small. Can we, can we get Can we get there? Can you just get there? Can you just muster up the yes to say, oh, yes. I'm not completely bought in, but yes, I'm getting there. That's what he wants. Even though your yes is small, that's what he wants. So following Jesus is a lifestyle. The requirement, listen, when we talk about requirement, it's not mean-spirited. Please get this. The request versus requirement, right? Are you you tracking? Did you know at work that your boss probably has requests and then he has requirements? Don't treat requirements like requests. I mean, some things are just required. And following Jesus requires us to die. It means that I forsake my current lifestyle and I choose his. It's a requirement. It's a requirement because that's what following Jesus is are you okay? I know it's not a fun truth, but here, let's let's continue. Mark chapter 10. So Jesus looks around at the disciples, and he says, how difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven? And his disciples amazed once again at his words, but Jesus said to them again, children, children, children. I love it how he says his kids, listen, (laughs) right? Listen, guys. How difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, there's a lot of speculation on what that means. And I'll just say, I don't know. I don't know. I've tried to do the research. I don't know. Some have said that the eye of a needle is this gate that's in in Jerusalem, and it's a, a, a gateway to go into Jerusalem, and it's very small, and a camel can't go through there because you have to unload the camel and take the camel to get the camel through there. It's not impossible, but you have to unload the cam- camel. And so the teaching is this. Listen, you just got to unload everything you have to get in. And I think that's great. I don't know if that's actually a thing, but I do know that Jesus did say this, camel through the eye of a needle. That's difficult. That's impossible, right? And they were exceedingly astonished so like, whoa, Lord. I mean, even rich people can't get in? And that, listen, in context, that's what it is. Because their whole life, they thought blessing was attached to richness. Stuff. You have st- Some of you think that. When God blesses me, I'll have more things. And you've missed it. And the reason why you're missing the blessing is you think, you think blessing is, has to do with stuff. Sometimes God blesses us with stuff. But stuff in itself can be just as much an obstacle as it is a blessing. Th- thus, the man, the rich young ruler. But he says this. He says, with man it's impossible, but with God, for all things are possible with God. And Peter began to say to him, see, we've left everything. Just a reminder, Lord. <laughs> see? Remember when we left our nets? We've, we've been following you. Now, Peter was it perfect. Come on, we know. Peter screwed up all the time. There was grace for it. Why? Because he was chasing Jesus. He was pursuing the Lord. It's not that he had a perfect, not that he is perfect at following the Lord, but his lifestyle changed. His pursuit changed. His desires changed. So then you move in, in the end of Mark, we see this story about someone else who leaves everything. And his name is Bartimaeus. His name is Bartimaeus, and it's, it's actually the last personal miracle that we're going to see in Mark's gospel. For the next six chapters, there, there we'll see no personal miracles. This is the last one. It's so good. It's one of my, one of my favorites. And it says this, And when they came to Jericho, and as he, as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a, and this, this is his identity. Listen. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. This is his identity. We call him Bartimaeus, but that's really not his name. Bartimaeus just means son of Timaeus. He doesn't even really have an identity of his own. Everybody's just going, hey, there's the blind guy, the man that can't see, the son of Timaeus. Bartimaeus. We call him Bartimaeus. We don't really know his birth name. He just kind of hangs out here and begs for money. His name is Bartimaeus. We call him Bartimaeus. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, what is he saying? He is. He is making a messianic declaration of the identity of Jesus by saying son of David. He's saying the one who's bringing his kingdom. If you want to go back and listen, we we talked about this particular story, story a, a couple of months ago when we talked about our God of promise series. and The Davidic promise was that a Messiah would come from the line of David. So when he makes a statement about Jesus, son of David, he's basically saying, listen, you are the Messiah. You are the king of kings. You're the king of the universe. You are the ruler overall When he when he says this. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Man, I'm telling you, there's one thing that the Lord will never resist, and that's a hungry heart. The Lord will not resist hunger. Boy, I'm telling you, if you would just get more, you say, well, how do I get more of the Lord? You just get hungry for more of the Lord. How do I get hungry? You eat. In the kingdom, you eat to get hungry. (laughs) It's crazy. It's all backwards and upside down. It's actually right side up, but we're, we're backwards. And Jesus stopped and said, call him Bring him to me. (laughs) Get him over here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart. Get up. He's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. He's like, All right. It's time. I've heard the stories. He heard. Here I come, Lord. Spring it up. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? I think he's asking some of you that today. And I hope it's not something like, I have a bigger house. Come on. What do you want me to do for you? Not what do you want me to give? What do you want me to do? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. I want to see, recover. He wasn't always blind, but blind has become his identity. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. What was the measure of his faith? The measure of his faith was the measure of his hunger. Some of you are talking about, "I I want to be more filled with faith and I want to walk around with confidence. That's not what faith looks like. Faith looks like desperation. How hungry are you? I know we like the word faith. How hungry are you? Word of hunger ministries. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight. And followed him. And followed him along the way. And followed him along the way. What way? Jesus' way. The way of Jesus. He left his lifestyle. It wasn't a a pretty lifestyle. It might not look like much. But you know what? It was the only lifestyle he had come to know. And Jesus was asking this, this poor man the same thing he was asking the other poor man. Because we call him the rich young ruler. But really he's the poor young slave. Because he was enslaved to his possessions and he had poverty in his mind because he thought life was about stuff. In fact, I I thought about calling today's message the tale of two poor people. But I love the measure that's the same, give it all. How much is it? How much does the Lord require of me? All of it. Whatever all is. Your all may be small, but that's all he wants. He just wants your all. So how do we learn from the least? Learning from the least. Learning from this man who has no identity of his own. A a man that was much like the rich young ruler. He couldn't see. (laughs) Come on. What can we learn? You know, I, I like to imagine that, that possibly, possibly the rich young ruler came by a time or two and passed old Bartimaeus. I like to think that there were probably days that he heard Bartimaeus saying, hey, will somebody give me some money? I kind of wonder if the rich young ruler, he was probably not, not a stingy person. We, we don't know much about him. But I kind of like to wonder, maybe he gave alms. To Bartimaeus one day but look at them now look at how the table has turned the royalty has turned to poverty and the poverty has turned to royalty because of who they followed not because of what they can gain or what they could earn but because of who they followed and Jesus sandwiches this scripture right in the middle of these two stories and he says this many who are first will be last and the last first and he shows us with these stories. <laughs> so what do we learn from the least? First of all, we learn this is that listening is critical. Listening is critical. Remember, he spoke to the young rich man, remember? See, what I love about Bartimaeus is he couldn't see, but he could hear pretty good. And he had heard the rumors about Jesus. And he believed, he believed what he heard about Jesus. Do you believe what you hear about? Do you believe the rumors? We say this a lot. Do you believe the rumors? Maybe you haven't experienced it yet, but will you believe? Will you have enough courage to believe that God is actually better than you can ever imagine? So he had heard about Jesus, and get this—he didn't even hear the initial call. Jesus is like, "Hey, I hear you, Bartimaeus." He must have been quite a distance. Jesus, Jesus heard his hunger is what he heard, and so Jesus is like. Come here, Bartimaeus. And he didn't hear him. And so the crowd's like, Bartimaeus? Son son of Tibius? Hey, 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 blind dude. Jesus is calling you. He could listen. See, listen. The other guy, he could hear Jesus plainly. They were having a conversation. So he could hear, but he wasn't listening. See, listening to Jesus is hearing and heeding. And some of you are saying, hey, I want to hear the Lord. I want to listen to the Lord. I haven't heard from the Lord in a long time. Have you heeded to what he said? So listening is not just hearing, but also heeding. Are you saying, yes, okay. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'll be willing to do what you said. So the rich young ruler, he could hear and see, but he could not heed So listening is critical. Number two, hunger is everything, so get it right. Hunger is everything, so get it right. We have this man that has tons of stuff, lots of ambition, lots of drive, very gifted, lots of people in his network. He was ambitious, just like Bartimaeus. Because Bartimaeus was ambitious too. He was just ambitious for something else. He was ambitious for an encounter with the Messiah. How ambitious are you for Jesus? Hunger is everything. Get it right. And I love that he, he says, Son of David, don't pass me by. Son of David, where are you? I hear the crowd talking about, can you hear me? And the people around him said, shut up. No, Bartimaeus, quiet. It's the Lord. And I love how he got ugly hungry. He got ugly hungry for the Lord. He didn't care what anybody thought. He was desperate for an encounter. Last night, we went to Whataburger, and we ordered on that app, and we showed up. Water burger and our food was ready, but our drinks weren't ready. But I didn't want my food to get cold. I mean, water burger—you want it to be hot. I mean, it's still better than In-N-Out when it's cold. But it's—but when it's hot, it's better. I see you. I see you. I see you. So I—we get our food and we're waiting on our drinks, and I am ugly hungry. And I'm just like scarfing down my burger, and I don't have a drink, so I'm getting like choked up. They're taking like 45 minutes on our drink. So finally the drinks come in, us He's like, oh, I'm gonna was like, oh. Wash this stuff down, wash this burger down. It was gone. I was ugly hungry. Are, are you willing to get hungry, ugly, hungry for the Lord? Are, are you willing to be a little bit more undignified in your pursuit? That's what faith looks like. <laughs> well, I'm just kind of, kind of I want my dignity. Do you want your dignity? Or do you want the king? What do you want? I want an encounter with the Lord. I tell you what, I don't care how stupid I look. I don't care how many people tell me to calm down. I want Jesus. I want a movement of the Lord on the earth. Don't tell me. You can tell me to calm down. It ain't going to work. I, people been trying to tell me to calm down for 25 years. 27 years. No! I'm not going to. I remember the first thing that happened to me when I, after I got saved, I went to this camp and I had this guy tell me I needed to calm down. No, thank you. I want to please Jesus, and I want to get his attention more than I want your affirmation, sir. See, this, this rich young guy, he was just trying to make Jesus like another one of his accomplishments. Like he was just wanting to add Jesus into his collection. And I feel like there's some people... I think especially in America, it'd be real easy for us to just add Jesus into our collection. He's just an add-on to my life. Yeah, I have this life I do. Oh, and by the way, I follow Jesus. Maybe you missed it. That's not what following Jesus looks like. Following Jesus means I'm pursuing him, the things that he has, and then doing the things along the way that contribute to that. And some of you, are, some of you have a dream, and you're asking Jesus to bless your dream, and you think that's Christianity. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is saying, God, what is your dream? and following that. And then praying that all the things that you hope for and you desire line up and contribute to what God's called you to do. What are you hungry for? Are you looking at Jesus as simply an accomplishment? Has he won you over? He couldn't, listen, Jesus couldn't win this man over. We are his accomplishment. We are what he accomplished. Listen, allow him to win you over. It's it's way better. (laughs) Way better than the life that you're living. So, we learn from the least that listening is critical, that hunger is everything. And number three, we learn that everything is a small price to pay. Whether it's from a God that has everything he could ever dream. Or a man that has nothing but his cloak. Understand this with Bartimaeus. We call him that. Whatever his name is. Let's call him Billy. <laughs> I don't know. We don't really know his real name. We just know his, who his dad was. That might not be a bad idea for us. People just know us by who our dad is. That would be kind of good. But here's Bartimaeus. What does he have? Not much. He sits outside. He's got his little spot that he sits at every day, hoping somebody will have mercy on him. Today's his day. And he has, what does he have? What does he have in his possession? He has a cloak. That's all he's got. But for a blind man, a cloak is everything because a cloak, a cloak is a thing that keeps you warm at night. In those desert desert evenings, a cloak is the thing that you sit on when you're begging on the street. The cloak is the thing that you lay out so people can pass their alms on there so you can receive them. It's everything. So I love whenever Jesus calls his attention that he says, Lord, it's not a lot, but it's all I got. And He says he casts his cloak aside and he leaps up and he follows the Lord. It was everything. It was everything, and everything is a small price to pay. See, the rich young ruler, listen, he was successful, but success was killing his opportunity. Is your success in your life, in your pursuit, in your dream, is your success killing your opportunity to follow Jesus? See, the more we hold on to, the more it will cost us. And this is physical things. This is uh, material things. This can be ideas. Come on, it can be identity issues. It can be your opinions. It can be ideologies. Whatever it is, whatever you hold on to, that is what it's going to cost you. So we don't come to the Lord saying, oh, I've got this great grand life to give you. Because in the eyes of Jesus, this cloak was more valuable than all the riches that this rich young ruler had, this poor young slave had. He gave up his familiarity to follow Jesus, his lifestyle, whatever it is. And I love that the price is the same for all of us. I love that the price is the same for all of us. How much is the Lord going to require? What's it going to take to follow Jesus? Not is he requesting, he's requiring. What is it going to take? It's going to take everything. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life every day giving up a little bit more of my everything. Everything. Right? That's where we're at today. We're just saying, Lord, today I just give you a little bit more of myself. I thought I'd given it, it all. You know what? You know what I thought? In 1993, when I came to Jesus, you know what I thought? I thought I gave him everything. Everything. I really did. You know what I've been doing for 27 years? I've been giving him everything. And it might not have to do so much about my direction, but a lot of times it's my opinions. A lot of times it's my frustrations. A lot of times it's the tension in life, and I'm just giving it to him. Why? Because he's the one that I'm following. Seeking mercy, we find grace.